0: Hey Mark, uh thank you for coming in. You have such a marvelous career. I mean, you're so impactful, you're you're so smart and so many dimensions. Uh you definitely execute on actions. <laughs> you don't sit around. You, you're always doing something to move the yardstick forward but on a global basis. So, just a really impressive individual uh, across
1: so many different ways. So, thank you for coming in and sharing your insights with our audience. No, it's great to be here with you um you know live and in color and uh i'm glad that intro was recorded so now i can keep repeating it to myself <laughs>
0: and and for the audience i often use the term omni win this is the gentleman that invented that word so the citation goes to mark
1: well with a little uh, asterisk is myself ed martin one of my partners started it and then we took it and we're rolling so, yeah, it's, it's it's a great it's a great uh, uh,
0: word to encapsulate shared value, right? So, so Mark, my my first question, and this is unscripted. It's it's sort of like, what are your those inflection points in your life that made this wonderful person you are today? <laughs> you
1: know, flattery will get you everywhere, Stephen. Um, <laughs> well, like like a lot of people, there's there's probably. It's probably a number, but I, I can name a, a few for sure, and um, you know this very well. I ask people all the time who have been influencers in their lives, and um, my first one was my grandfather, who um, him and my grandmother were, and my mom and my aunt were from Kiev, And but they came to Canada and grew up in Montreal, and uh, he took me for walks in the park And when I was about five, six, and one day I asked him, I called him Zeta. I said, Zeta, how do you know all these people that you talk to? And he looked at me with his, you know, Ukrainian accent and said, well, one day I smiled at one and they smiled back at me and then they started talking to me. So I talked back to them and then somebody else walked by and smiled at us. And all of a sudden community or type of thing right there. And I understood it as a five-year-old, but I even understood it even more later how something as simple as a smile can be influential and other people you know, their, their their mental attitude, their physiologically, but something happens when you smile up to a person. And um, so that was something that, it's probably another reason why I talk so much these days too, to people <laughs> So is because of him. So that was definitely a point that for some reason I always remembered because um, he was pretty wise and, and used to tell us a lot of stories about what it was like growing up Soviet Union and all that. Um, if I can, another one, there's a lot. But another one I remember right now was um, after Deloitte, I was um, I was with this organization in, in Winnipeg, Canada, and um, I was involved with the the hockey team, the pro hockey team there. And um, they'd asked me to do something for the in the community for kids and started a, a fan club. And in the first week, we had 3000 kids signed up for the fan club and they offered me a position, pretty senior position in marketing marketing. Um, that can also be backed by my finance background. And um, at the same time, I got offered the position of executive director at JC's International, which is now junior chamber, that the world headquarters is in Miami. At a much, and that's a nonprofit, at a much lower salary and everything. And every single person, including me, told me that, that would not be a good career move, going to a nonprofit, different country, et cetera your dream job offer you got to work for a pro hockey team. The only person that told me to take the nonprofit was the president of the hockey team that offered me that job. And he said to me, the money's going to come. It may not be right that you're getting paid less to go there, but you're going to be traveling around the world and you're going to meet leaders and so on and so forth. That's the one you need to take. And um, first I thought he was testing me to see if I really wanted his job, but, um, (laughs) but it was real. It was really, he cared about me and what was going on and uh so that's that's another one that that i recall you know to give you a couple of examples
0: it's interesting that both of those examples are very human touch <laughs> centric yeah. right and, and there's a sort of element of caring because when you smell it uh, or when you smile at somebody it's sort of like you're exuding caring right uh it's uh this sort of outreach or this idea theory of mind where you're, you're looking at the other person's and their point of view and, and by smiling you can actually impact that point of view or or this uh, going to this nonprofit, which is very about relationships and so those are the foundations of what you do so t- tell me about your life uh, so you've talked about some of the inflection points right uh and then you talked about uh, Deloitte a little bit and about some job offers and stuff. But I didn't know this until recently. I like, or I guess I knew it, but I didn't really think about
1: it. But you're an accountant.
0: No, no, wrong.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, you were doing so well when you were describing <laughs> me before that point. <laughs> I um, well, I did get my CPA. I went to McGill, got my CPA in in Montreal, and I did that. You know kind of not really knowing what I wanted to do, but that was a good basis or foundation for, for any business I was going to go into. And uh I didn't do, did join Deloitte. Actually, showing my age, it was actually uh Tuch Ross back then, and then it became Deloitte. Um, and in fact, it was actually Fortier for Touche Ross et Compagnie in Montreal because we had the whole French thing going on. Um and um there was another there was another inflection point there now that you 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 bring that up so The first thing they did was they threw me into audit, which I didn't want to go into. Um, And they threw me there. And the first day was with a steel company client. And the CFO was so cool. He had me in his office explaining to me the business. And I'm learning. This is, I'm saying, wow, audit's way better than I thought. And the CFO was (laughs) talking to me about the business. And um, the partner came in and said, what are you doing in here? And I think he was mostly ticked off that he probably should have been there talking about the business and I was supposed to be adding up columns or something. Cause this is way before, <laughs> you know, literally this is, this is really going to sound all way before, like, you know, computers and everything that was going on. And, um, and so I, I didn't end up not, not, you know, getting kicked out of there, but I, I kept, I kept getting, you know, the managers, the partners wanted me on different jobs. Um, I was pretty good at what I did and I, um, but there was one partner at Deloitte that saw that I didn't really have a passion for that. Um, it was important, I knew it was important, but um, but that go back to that I had human element again that I was really good. And he noticed it when the CFOs and when I were having me in their office talking about business and what I thought and everything, even as a young kid, I wasn't a visionary or anything, but I just talked about it. And um, and so he started giving me more client relationship type of, of work to do. And um, you know, and 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 keeping the relations going and and um taking care of clients and even emceeing events, which you put a microphone in front of me and it's fantastic. And so stuff like that. And uh golf day was the best because they gave me permission to make fun of the partners at golf day when I was the MC, even though I had to be careful, but I was young with what did I know? And um, so that was another partner though that really gave me an impact to get um exposure with all different types of key clients and um you know, I got to be, you know, work with the Montreal Canadians hockey team, which is basically a signature client. I don't even know if we made money on it, but it's great in Montreal to have that as a client. And um, it gave me interesting exposures though, too. Um, and I'll give you an example, if I may, um Northern Telecom at that time, Nortel and Bell Canada were our, our clients, and I was on them. And um, in my first year, I was doing some inventories um for that. For that company, and then it was in the boardroom of the headquarters, and the and the um, CEO of Northern Telecom walked in to say hi to the us at Deloitte, and so he said hi, and he and he actually somehow I got to, to me and came over and said hi, and he said how are you doing, and I said well I just did this inventory at your factory down over there, you know where it is, and um and the people there are amazing, they know so many things, and they're showing me flip phones and whatnot. This is late seventies, they're showing me flip phones, and all these things <laughs> that aren't even out yet. And they were, they told me you should see what the government has if, when you think what we have, and I, I said, but I just I just got a sense these people were the operational people knew what was going on, and and the CEO told me, well, that's interesting. I've never been there, and I was really sarcastic back then. And and, and that same partner told me to mellow on the sarcasm, and I felt like saying, you've never been there. Um, <laughs> did you, you remember way back, the operational people weren't considered to be on the executive committees of companies There was the top right. guys that did it and they told them what to do. It made no sense to me. These guys yeah. were actually there doing it. So I said, well, that's really crazy that he's never been there. Two or three weeks went by, we're still there. Cool guy, cool CEO, and I really appreciated what he did. And he I learned from him too. He came back to me specifically, which he didn't have to ever get back to me and said, you know what, I really appreciate you telling me about that. I did go there and I talked to the people and we're going to get them included in some of the stuff going on. I don't know, you know. And I don't know if he said, I don't know why we never did that before, but it was something like that. And he thanked me for mentioning that. I didn't think I did anything special, but I was I was um, impacted, if you will, by the fact that he took the time to go do that. He took the time and then to come back and tell me what happened. I mean, I was a grunt at Deloitte at that point, as they called us. And but and he was the CEO, so. That was pretty cool. And then let going on on. Then I get, you know, I did get recruited to join the largest private real estate developer in Canada after that in Winnipeg, Canada. And another interesting experience was, um, and stop me if I just keep going on. Uh, another interesting experience was um I saw, I was always being called by the marketing guys to come in and explain the financial aspects of the deal. And they made way more than me, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> and, so finally, I went to the CEO and the CFO. I said, I can do this. And I, it'd be nice if I made more money too, considering I'm doing that. So the first place they sent me to was there's a big Mennonite community there. They sent me out to the Mennonites who were interested in real estate. So this young Canadian Jewish kid that never made this presentation before was sent out <laughs> to the Mennonites to do it. And... Um, and one thing one thing in Canada that I love that we grew up with was you didn't we didn't talk about we need diversity, we need diversity. We just kind of embraced it, that it was cool to be diverse. So I was I was excited to go out there. And um and long story short, they taught me something too. You know, I was naively um naively um authentic. As I said, when they asked a the question, I didn't know the answer, I don't know the answer. I'll have to get back to you. <laughs> Um, which is great because sometimes if you know too much, you're thinking you don't want to BS an answer. Well, and I said, I don't want answer. We ended up making a deal because we just talked humanly about what the aspects are of the deal and this and that and the buying real estate and whatnot and everything. And, and um, that was, a, so that was a, a great experience for me too. And then fast forward after the story, I told you about the, the, the offer with the hockey team, I got to travel around the world, meeting you know really amazing leaders, and as my kids used to say, some sucky leaders also, and um, and learned a lot about that. I met just met some amazing you know heads of state and um, heads of companies in in different cultures and different places, and uh, you know you know this you know traveling around the world, your eyes open up to things you've never seen before, and and you learn. And uh, one thing I learned even back then was. There's different types of leadership, different styles of leadership, one way is not 100% right or 100% wrong, how you know you have different perspectives you have different way cultures perceive certain things. Um, And it's and that's, that's interesting that's exciting to me rather than we're all the same type of thing so I did learn that and. uh, and then I got into the executive search business, which I've been doing for years. And I'll I'll pause there because otherwise you're gonna have to you're gonna have to clamp me down. I'll just keep going.
0: <laughs> you know, you're reflecting on on this uh, CEO, and you make a suggestion, and the, you were you're surprised the CEO never sort of looked at the operations side in an in person way, right? And then he and then he takes the time to take a look, and he goes, "Hey, we could use somebody like that." or in that environment on our executive team or something to, to... but that's common i think amongst really good ceos right they they they're like just regular people and you can talk to them like regular people right
1: wow <laughs> right and, yeah.
0: and 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 they don't uh they don't ivory tower themselves they you know they're very curious and they Actively want to learn to waste to make things better, and and you introduced an idea that he didn't even think of. <laughs> so, yeah, So he took. So he ran an experiment and went there and he went, "Wow, there's there's input here.
1: I need. <laughs> I should have been promoted to partner."
0: <laughs> right. I, I mean, I'm thinking of Tim Cook. I mean, that's his way he operates. Right. It's a kind of very flat. Everybody talks to each other because you need that input and. and you can get so many insights from just talking to everybody and not isolating yourself. Right. And every experience you talked about is not about isolating a person. It's about integration and listening and being inclusive and getting into a dialogue and, and being very open in that dialogue. So that's kind of like your secret sauce, right?
1: Absolutely. It's not, you know, my friends in Miami say, they're not going to hire you for your good looks. You better bring something else to the table. Um, So but you right. and if if you recall, the it was different eras too, where they weren't as, if you will, all not, and you can never say about all. They weren't as open, authentic. It was had the executives up on the top floor and so on. And uh, but it just never occurred to me how could you leave operations out? These guys are building this stuff. They got to right. got to be talking to them. And um, you know, I interviewed a CEO probably about a year ago that told me he's having the best time being a CEO because. He's able to be emotional. He's able to be vulnerable. He doesn't have to pretend to know everything. <laughs> and he can trust people because he saw that trusting the trusting people, number one, gave them the opportunity to shine. And the ones that were the cream of the crop did shine and they moved up. And I thought it was brilliantly simple.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just being um, respectful of everybody, right? And listening, active listening is really yeah. important. So you have this traditional accounting background. And it was it your parents or something or your family that got you into that area? I mean being an accountant it's kind of very it's not considered uh uh I don't know at least in my the people I, I work with they don't think of accounting as a, an exciting profession. Oh, but it is. Right? It's
1: massively exciting. What are you talking about? <laughs> no. No, no, I'm not I'm not you know, I, I don't define my first So I did get my CPA um, or we used to call it a CA where they changed the chartered accountant um, as a great foundation for business. And it, and it was, you know, going to Deloitte was a great experience just by. yeah, some but what,
0: the- what got you in accounting? Oh. Was it family? What got you interested in doing an accounting? Like you got a commerce degree probably. And then you went into a,
1: accounting, right? Yeah. I got a commerce degree and um, I wasn't sure if I really liked science. I like biology a little bit. I didn't see that happening. Um, I do like sociology and all that, but was you know, I wanted to be in business too. So was that the right, right direction to go into? So, and you break a great point. It was a major in accountancy, but it was a bachelor's of commerce. So that, that was a little bit different, even maybe by name, but also we were able to take certain courses that were about business a little bit more and, and stuff like that. Although I I do remember taking computer classes, another way to show age and Back then, there was the big computer room, if you remember, and we had to use um, the cards and the key yeah, punch cards. True. And God forbid, you dropped the whole stack of cards before you brought it to the big computer. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh my god! So, yeah, times have changed, but that was the main main reason. Not not really my parents. My parents didn't have college education, um, you know, but you know, didn't have a lot of money. Never owned a home the whole bit, and yet we had a really loving family. You know, it's, it's really funny how the whole caring part sticks through everything. Um, as I and, and bringing that to business became really important to me, and to sports, I, I'm, I have been very active in in sports, playing hockey, coaching sports, coaching kids, and it's all it's all the same. It's all the same. Leaders are leaders, and and players that make an impact are players that make an impact, and so on. So,
0: so your your big jump out of um, being in the accounting field, was then working for the nonprofit, or what was that big juncture?
1: Well, I was recruited to this the, uh, the largest private real estate developer in Winnipeg, oh, right, Antarctica. right, right, and um and that was that was great um, because it also got me to be at a higher level position with the JCs in Winnipeg. Um, when when the when the pro team asked me about doing a fan club for kids and getting kids involved, and I love working with kids, so that was a big play, and because of that you see funny how you never know how things are going to happen because I was asked to do this fan club for kids and did it in the JC's organization, the JC's world headquarters ended up noticing me more. They won a national award for a kids program, or whatever it was. It got me an offer with the pro hockey team at the same time. And all of a sudden I had to, had to make a, make a decision. And, uh, you know, you never know how things are going to happen, but you know what's that expression when the when the window opens up jump into it or whatever take advantage of opportunities and uh but um a funny funny story actually when i was in winnipeg um or actually when i was in i'm in miami a little bit later and i um i was looking at this young man's resume um speaking of learning things i was looking at this young man's resume and he told me he didn't really have much experience he was late 20s or something didn't really have much experience or whatnot and then I looked at the last line on his resume, and it said "Santa Claus Parade." And funny enough, I was the first Jewish guy to run the Santa Claus Parade in Winnipeg, Canada. By the way, <laughs> big credentials there. Um, however, I said, "Well, what do you? What did you do at the Santa Claus Parade?" And he said, "Well, I had to talk to the city. I had to get permits. Had to get sponsorship. I had to figure out what's going to happen if it rains." The sponsors we had to get were arguing about which part of the parade they were in and how big their floats were, and this and this and that. And, that. and I had to do budgets and I had to do this and that. And he said, Yeah, I guess you really don't have any experience. And so the reason I bring that up is that was another learning mode there about um, the accounting helped me understand financials in small companies and big companies when I was at Deloitte, which allowed me the opportunity to get recruited to that great company there which then allowed me also because of my experiences coaching and stuff to do that fan club for the pro hockey team, which was super fun and super impactful, which then led to another opportunity of going down to the Miami headquarters of JC's. So moral of the story is um, kind of like where we are right now. You know, you can make a way better economic impact when you're making a social impact at the same time. It was happening to me, even though I didn't know it, just being involved in good, good projects.
0: But isn't, a, uh, you know, you're doing a commerce degree, um, but don't you do marketing courses as part of your commerce degree? Thank
1: goodness. <laughs> 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 if I just did accounting courses, I would have gone bananas. Um, yeah, there was marketing. There was, um, there was even, you know, marketing biz dev type of stuff. There was uh, some entrepreneurship in there, not as much as today, but some of that. And um, there was also- Organizational
0: co- behavior. There'd be organizational org behavior in there.
1: HR courses, right? I don't know if there was much guitar, but there was, there was, um, there was behavioral stuff because we also had to take sociology, which I was happy about because that got into into that and and so on. Um, But we also had the opportunities of doing projects like stock market projects, you know, where it's all, you know, pretend if you will, but to do that. And, and some of the, you know, it depends on the team. There's, there's leaders in teaching too. Depends on, the really good ones gave us projects like that to work on they introduced us to business people in the community to talk to and things like that. They didn't have to do that, but they cared and so they did do it <laughs> and so you know that that's so that's that's why so yeah, so don't don't call me an accountant <laughs> and um sure.
0: But this yeah. JC job was really pivotal for you, right? Because you traveled. Uh, uh, tell me a little bit more about that, and then we'll get into your search <laughs> uh, j- uh, j-
1: journey, right? So Yeah, sure. Um, that was maybe the best job I've ever had for the least amount of money I ever made, actually. <laughs> um, which is unfortunate, because that should never happen. Um, people should be valued, period. But uh, but I did get to travel around the world um, almost everywhere and met you know they had a goldman sachs in london met the the president of south korea met um different people all over the place and a lot of interesting people that no one would ever know but they're doing amazing things and um you know we what jc's did was they taught leadership development through community development in effect um projects all around the world some that were international based some that were local based um and um we learned how to how to lead. Whether it was the, the 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 fan club for kids that I did in Winnipeg, that was a project that I brought into JCS to do it for the team, and uh, and just as I said before, learning and seeing how different leaders acted, and um, you know some some were louder, some were quiet, some were this, some were that. There's you can't say one's right or one's wrong, and 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 it's how they did it, when they did it, and uh, you know and how they you know got consensus but then made decisions after getting consensus and we were able to do it even though not everybody consensus but not everybody was aligned with with everything like that and um so um and then you know experiencing you know different meals with people you know we <laughs> a lot of stuff happens over over meals right um right. and, and then social and engagement and and learning you know how you know how how proud they are of of certain foods that they have and the traditions and where it, where it comes from and how it's prepared. Um, you know, there's a lot to be learned from where things are derived from too, including languages where they're derived from and food where it's derived from traditions and things like that, because it's, it's, um, and this is something I really believe in. It's a, it's a belonging thing, right? It's a belonging thing where people are proud of, of, and they want to share what they have with you etc and you've got to be able to accept what they want to share <laughs> um which sounds so simple but um but it's important because it's important to the people that are sharing what they're offering to you when they bring you into i've been brought into in homes around the world they bring you into your home into their home that's a big time compliment when they bring yeah. you into their home and and share stuff and you meet the kids and whatever so you know it. it um it, it's taught me a ton, not only about leadership and business, but also, and you know this, um, people, the people we all have differences and we're all diverse, but we're all the same at the same time. And this is a line that's been said a million times. We all want the same thing, you know, for ourselves, for our family, et cetera. And with everything going on in the world right now, most people want, most people, 90% want peace and just have a great life. And uh, so yeah you've you learned all of these leadership lessons and in fact from the
0: very moment we started this interview you talk about characteristics of people and and um, interesting people and and ones that could be leaders and you know and there's management and there's leadership and you could write a book <laughs> <Right>? good idea <laughs> you want to help <laughs> I mean, it, it, it because now we can segue into your search business, because that's about leadership too, right? Finding leaders and things like that. So how did you get into the search business?
1: Um, I was actually noticed um, by an Ernst and I don't know if it was Ernst Young or Ernst and Winnie at the time, but I, let's go with Ernst <laughs> um, um, partner when I was at JC's and somehow or other introduced me to what was then gonna become my partner in a new, relatively new search firm that we started um, because he, he, again, some of the notices, leaders are amazing at noticing, whether it's sports or business, noticing a characteristic or two of people that that's outstanding or differentiating. And so he noticed something in me, whatever that was, that he introduced me to this fellow to really grow what he thought was a big need at that time in Miami, but even beyond, but finding great talent. I mean, we were working, I was working, executive director of a global leadership development organization. And so he tied that in with, we need someone that can can identify those people and bring them to our companies to grow. I, I you know, I didn't grow up saying, boy, I want to be a headhunter when I grow up <laughs> right. type of thing. Um and not to be redundant, but he cared enough to actually think about that when he when he saw me and they were our auditors at JCs at the time. And so, I did, you know, we did meet and he was a one man thing doing his own little search firm and um, we came together and partnered and, and grew the firm and um, I'd never, I'd done some recruiting at Deloitte, because they, they again, I was related to me getting into other things and whatnot, but never into search or anything. And so, and it was a different different era again too. This was like uh, late '80s on type of deal, and um, and so we um we just hit it. We just hit it, and you know sometimes ignorance is bliss, even in in business. <laughs> and you just calling people and saying, you know, what do you at the beginning like? What do you need? What type of talent do you need and whatnot? And we started out with contingency which is you only get paid if you if you fill the spot and everybody's running around like maniacs. <laughs> Ooh, the resumes is a little place. And, and if you, you want to beat another firm to get the resume of Joe or Jane over somewhere and there's no email, Boy, we're going to sound really old here. There was no email. Faxing had just come in. <laughs> and so as, soon as you couriered or brought personally the resume over to a company so you'd be the first one to get it there, which I thought was ridiculous, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> and. I'm thinking that people are just throwing resumes at companies without vetting them properly, without anything, just because that was the incentive. If you didn't get there, for, get it there first. You didn't get the fee if that person was hired. And what do I want to make money? You're hoping to hire your person. You do all this work and stuff for that. So, I quickly changed to. Without knowing the practice per se, we quickly changed to. We should be retained. To find you the best people because that gives first of all that represents our clients way better that they are committed to not just finding bodies they're committed to do this properly they're committed to be presented properly um taking the time for us to know who they are not just the company but who they are and what's the type of company they are and whatnot which was really not happening i mean it's happening now but how many years did it take for this feeling to happen and um And that got us clients because, here we go again, we really cared about the client and who they were. We could find the qualifications for any job. By the way, my longest search was 13 months for an SEC attorney with a company. And um, that was quite, quite a search. But, you know, we learned and we showed the clients that we really cared about them and who they were as people and what they were doing and where they were going, which allowed us to share that with the best candidates who saw that we weren't just trying to sell them a job per se. And it evolved pretty quickly, you know, into that. And it is also a much, you know, in some ways easier thing because you're not whipping resumes all over the place, wasting a client's time with crappy resumes, but you're sending them because just in case that person's good, you want to get paid for it. You're sending the right people over. sounds crazy now, but at that time, that's what was going on. And, um, you know, the big, big firms, Corn Fires and I were also fairly young in doing what they were doing. And so, um, you know, that, that really helped us, you know, grow significantly. And, uh, you know, started out in accounting and finance, that was our expertise, but then we went to IT and HR, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, really of, of a, in a way that we were able to take care of the whole client. And so when they did retain us for CFO job, um, they knew that we could represent them well, even though we weren't expert in marketing, but we would represent them well to go find the best marketing person. And then we grew with other people and 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 um that's part of the foundation of, you know where I am now. but uh, um, we started just in Miami and then it grew and grew and grew to do searches all over the place. um and uh and it was and and it was it was fun because. We saw, and this is before any conversations, I believe, of impact. When we had when we had a candidate and their family send us whatever, a bottle of wine or thanked us or whatever, for finding them that opportunity that kind of changed their life, if you will, not to sound too dramatic, but an opportunity that really changed their life. Um, and especially, even for big companies, but especially when we placed a great person in a smaller company that made big-time impact of that smaller company... That was cool. That was really cool. That you know, you know, we were making a difference with people. Again, not just putting a unit into a job (laughs) and getting paid for it.
0: Okay, now let's bring us up to today. Tell me what you're doing today in your search business, and then businesses and nonprofits that are related to your search business. So, so start with your core. How how have you changed and transformed? In your search business today and where do you want to see it go in the next few years and then you do so much on the impact space and then we'll talk about how that sort of merges and integrates with your search business
1: cool um well as i when i was do, doing my search business i met one of our partners at a u.s chamber foundation event that we both ended up going to and uh and we just started talking and um he was he was a big corporate guy had been with coke and hershey's and ford and whatever and um the conversation just went to how he's using marketing dollars to impact the community and the economics of the company and they can't they can't they're having trouble building teams to do that so the conversation started and you you got the talent part i got the talent part they got the impact part there's something here that we should be talking about uh, <laughs> to be able to do that. And uh the conversation went pretty quickly. Um, I was at the time with an international firm that had recruited me, even though I didn't want to go necessarily recruited me to help grow the LA office. And I, I said, at that point, I had trademarked the term leaders who care. Um yeah. and I said, I want to I want to take this firm under that premise that we work with leaders who care. And they said, Yes, 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 yes. And I did the first global conference recognizing leaders who care both companies and individuals and um, of which one of our common mutual good friends, Stephen Hecht, was actually a recipient of back then. And uh, and then, But then they, that other firm, and I'll, I'll wind my way back here, the other firm started having problems with the word care. They said it was too intimate for business. It was too this, it was too that. And I would tell them if you think this is intimate care, you're gonna go crazy when I start using the word love. What are you gonna do then? <laughs> you know, type of thing. So sold my that. We joined together and we created it was just perfect timing. And also, you know, you used when you look back, you see the threads, and this is where I'm supposed to be, type of thing now on um. And we, we launched Fifth Element Group as an impact advisory, impact consultancy, and we launched it at the UN headquarters in New York about five and a half years ago on International Women's Day. Because one of the first things we did was we had a decade of women initiative, which was after SDG 5 and empowering women. One of the first things we did was we were in India doing a consortium for women, young women entrepreneurs and stuff like that. Um, and we decided to come together on that. and. Uh, it was super exciting because I always was kind of doing impact, <laughs> but we were just, just a search firm and to be able to put a search firm together with making an impact. And, and it's, a, it's the infinity thing, Stephen, where if companies are making an impact, a social impact, environmental impact, whatever, and it's doing it properly, we can talk about that. Then you're able to represent our clients truly as leaders who care with proof that they really do care not just of course we care you know we have a potluck dinner every six months or we uh you know open door policy to resolve conflict and stuff but then we're able to attract the really best players um who are everything from diverse to experts in in, in whatever and but they want to both make money and make a difference and have purpose at the same time they don't want to kind of like when I went to the nonprofit, took a big pay cut they don't want to have to give up one for the other. How can we make money and make a difference at the same time? The only way to attract those best people is to show them that the leaders really do care about them being able to do that. They do care about, like women ask me all the time, minorities especially do, women will say, I got the qualifications, I can do the job, are they really going to let me be involved in their most significant projects? Are they really gonna let me um, be engaged, make mistakes, come back, get recognized for it? And great questions that real the ones who are really are authentic will know how to answer those questions to the candidates and that helps us attract them. So without going roundabout ways, um, you know, that that became the foundation for something that I love doing now, where it's uh we can combine both of those.
0: So describe some of your current projects that, you know, has this sort of OmniWin integration of social impact, but also helps initiatives and so on. What are some use cases?
1: Oh, sure. Well, um, one of the the ones we did during the pandemic, let's start with that one, uh, was with, um, uh, what's it called again, Uh, John Krasinski, um, Some Good News. And during the pandemic, he started this on YouTube and it went, ballistic all over the place and people wanted good news and everything and they were looking for companies to join in and we brought in coca-cola for just over like 3 million where a lot of that money was um geared towards exposure of what's happening in the hospitality industry and also with guy fieri um money going to the employees in the the hospitality industry that weren't that needed money because all everything going on there we also brought starbucks in um, merchandise was sold through, with Starbucks and everything, also to help um, make an impact for people that really needed help, and brought good, brought positive exposure to those companies for doing something good, um, and um, and and to and to that platform and to the hospitality industry and everything. So that was a com that was a, a combination, and you know, in a sense, working with talent that was in search, but we were working with with talented people in the industry that needed help at that time, you know, for that. Um, Some, some of the other things, um, for example, we're working, you know, this, uh, we have a whole, um, most of the time we get, we get retained by corporates, um, family offices, foundations, and whatnot to either create a strategy or amplify their strategy of whatever impact they want to make. And then you mentioned um, OmniWins before. The OmniWins we create are, we put corporate A with corporate B with, Entrepreneur with innovator, maybe with the UN, maybe Davos, maybe Nobel. Why not to really make a bigger impact on it and for a good ROI? Um, one of the one of the projects initiatives we co-founded was around food security, um, which is a big problem, big big problem, as you know. And um, and creating the hundred billion meal challenge. And we brought in Tony Robbins as a co-founder. Uh, Forbes came in um, the first night. At the Forbes dinner, they had never done that for one cause. Um, Five billion meals were, were pledged at that first night, and now we're up to seventy billion meals. Um, many of that has gone to women farmers in Africa and whatnot. And but it's a ten um, it's a ten year initiative. <clears throat> excuse me, where we're hoping to get to one hundred by November, at which point there'll be another big public announcement. But at that point, we're working with World Food Program and others on. Um, really you know really going after all the innovations that are out there that World food program Bernard et cetera, does really well but expanding on that to, to try to change the ecosystem um to make it you know make it, the supply chain better etc cetera, etc cetera. so with respect to that we're able to do searches for companies in that industry also um because of the exposure that we get and they get etc whether it's um heading up a farm or education or um or, or whatnot there's all di- different types of positions or the standard ones like ceo cfos you know we we worked uh, during that time with um a japanese headquartered company um that u.s headquarters was here in uh actually in la and um the ceo came in um to transform everything and then we brought in the chro did searches for the cto etc um and our experience in the food industry in general, but especially because of what we were doing that was important, I think differentiated us um, than just a regular search firm type of deal. Um and part of that is the big community we have, the relationships we have by doing these impact projects as well, to bring in people like yourself and other people with expertise and relationships to, to make that impact. We even bring people from our community onto search teams for their expertise. So you have, you don't just have search people with experience, but you have, you know, people that are experiencing. It. I'm going to give you another example. We did two searches for perfusionists. Do you know what a perfusionist is? Oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead. <laughs> we didn't have a clue what a perfusionist was, by the way. So we're really proud. We got two searches for perfusionists, not knowing what the position was about, but the the client Really knew how we would represent them well. Perfusionists are people that have specialized um, medical technology training in cardiovascular surgeries and lung transplants and stuff like that. Um, Who ever thought an accountant would do that search, right, Stephen? <laughs> <laughs> but um, this client, which we had known for a while, a major hospital healthcare system, um, again, liked the way we presented them and knew that we could identify and have the depth of relationships to find those people. It was more important, however, to be able to attract and secure them as to why this is a great opportunity for them. You know, the qualifications, you can figure it out. Um, And and the client should know the qualifications even better than us, hopefully. Um, But that's that's some of the unique stuff um, that we work on there. And with that same client, we're working on health equity you know, issues and opportunities as well. Um, you know, and bringing some of our clients in, we have one client that, um, through retinal therapy and AI is able to identify, um, diabetes and, and, and maybe stop the progression of diabetes. So full circle, working with that client on profusionists and health equity, bringing this client in that does work in health equity to bring that to the, you know, um, underserved areas and, and, and so on. And, uh, I'll, I'll give you another quick example um we do a lot of work in untapped talent and uh, untapped talent are people that didn't go to college for whatever reason uh formerly incarcerated people veterans refugees a huge part of our population that should be valued and not looked down upon as not having this degree or that degree or whatever and we have a couple of clients um you know one that's called workbay that has a whole educational platform for years on Everything from tech to retail to carpentry and welders, to supply chain to being caregivers, to people with disabilities, you name it. and there's skills training with credentials and then we match that with corporates who are looking for skills, you know, skills like that. and uh, um, and then we have another one, Fusion Cyber that has a whole educational platform on skills training for cyber, all the way up to top secret. There's hundreds of thousands of cyber jobs and not everybody has to be a computer person to do some, all of those, those cyber jobs. Um, so that's brought us into bringing a major think tank last week, a major think tank together with a major university in Miami, together with this cyber educational uh, company to start working together on bringing it to their students and doing new research projects and searches just come out of that all the time (laughs) because of it. And, uh, and the participation of people in our community like that, that come together makes an impact like you never could before.
0: So I got three more questions. Uh, how did you get involved with Kin and what do you do with them? That's the Knowledge Impact Network. The next one is Million Peacemakers. How did you get involved and what are you doing with them? And then your final recommendation. So that's the final three and the remaining few minutes. So first sure. of all, Kin.
1: Well, um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, great organization. Um, in fact, I've, in fact, I believe you may have introduced me to the chairman, uh, Alain Chetri, um, who I love because I can practice my French with him. Uh, <laughs> but um, and shared to me what what it was at that time, the Knowledge Pledge, now Knowledge Impact Network, and um, they're truly making an impact with the most amazing product knowledge and bringing that knowledge to social entrepreneurs that can make a difference in the world so um you know we we were more than happy to support them on finding their ceo which we found and um and that was not only, that was an honor to do that a privilege to do that because of the impact they're making and um and, the, and who they are and the, and again going back to the lady that we placed there was so thankful to have that opportunity because it was a unique opportunity. It wasn't just another job. And that's, that's, it's just cool. It's just cool. And uh, so that's how, and and we're excited about continuing that relationship as they, um, as they evolve also as an organization. So that was that one. And then um, a million peacemakers. Well, you know, this one of my favorites by, by a long shot, um, I got to meet the the chief peacemaker, Stephen Hecht uh, who was introduced to me. I was doing a search and I was calling a guy that runs family offices in Toronto, and we were talking, and he said, You need to meet this guy in Montreal. <laughs> and that was Stephen. And I said, You know, what is he doing? He's in peace. I said, Great. One of my favorite topics is peace but also a lot of people talk about peace <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and what does that, what does that you know mean? So I actually went to, um, to meet Steven actually first Steven and this guy that referred me to him came down to LA and we talked and we spent the whole day together talking and whatnot and this and that and other, then myself and my two youngest boys went up to Steven and then took nonflict, which is their signature program um, together to see what it was like. And my kids were able to air all the conflicts they had with me. It was all of them. <laughs> um, but I was impressed because that same partner at Deloitte, that was an inflection guy, if you will, once told me brilliance is simple. He said, it might be a complicated path, but brilliance is simple. And non-flict is a brilliantly simple way to look at conflict differently by a process, by a way of doing it that you don't have to hate somebody over a conflict it just means you have different ideas and how are we going to get to where we want to go together so I was really impressed and you know have um been excited about you know offering it to all types of people but even corporate leaders and especially in in today's world we're um you know we're bringing it to corporate leaders in the aspect of Because a lot of them are asking us, what do we do now? What do we say with all this going on? How is it going to affect business, et cetera? And we've recommended to them, maybe the best thing you can do as a leader who cares is to talk to your employees and say, we have a a workshop that I think would be great for all of us to take to learn how to, not that we don't know how, but to learn how to better engage with each other and resolve conflict. And what we have found, Stephen, in recruiting is that, People ask us if there's issues, how do they resolve it? And the company that actually has a program to do it versus saying we have an open door policy to do this wins that candidate because they show they're actually doing it, um, even though they may not know what the program is yet. And we talked to them about nonflix So we're excited about the pro- program we're doing with them now, obviously, on on um, you know, peacemakers make peace and, and how that's going to help commemorate the 30th anniversary of the Rwandan genocide and and how we're gonna go out and train at least a million young people to, if you will, not to, to use an overused word, create a movement of people all the time, whether we know it or not. And it's our choice to do it either positively or negatively, um, because it can happen in a second that you may not even know how you impacted somebody, um, or it can happen over a lifetime but why not take the path where you're positively influencing them and really care about them and smile. You know, they say it takes less muscles to uh, smile than frown. So what do we do? <laughs> um, and um, so that's, that's the simple message I would, I would put out there and um, and check out nonflict, because it's awesome in that whole package. And uh, so.
0: Thank you for listening to The Brand Called You, videocast and podcast